Today on City Cash Chicago. If you're new around here, we like to end every week by bringing in a couple friends to look back on the stories they were watching. Today I got Becky VV, the Bureau Chief of Shark Beach Chicago, and Alma Campos, Immigration Editor from Southside Weekly, in the building. It's Friday, August 5th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is City Cash Chicago. Good morning, Becky. Good morning, Alma. Welcome to CityCast. How y'all feeling today? Good. Good morning, Jacoby. Yesterday on the show, we had Reggie Ponder, and we were talking about films to go see this weekend um, or recent movies that we saw. So I uh, recently saw Nope in theaters, uh, and I actually went back a second time to see it. I enjoyed it so much. So I wanted to know, what's the movie that you recently saw or movie that you're looking forward to seeing? Uh, Becky, what's that film for you? Mine's actually Nope, too. My husband and I were just talking about seeing Nope because, um, and this is embarrassing, the most recent new movie I've seen is Encanto. Oh, I saw it Uh, a bunch of times, too. I have not been to the theaters since 2019. Uh, I've got little kids and this pandemic's been, you know. A beast so so nope <laughs> not so be... many movies but i'm really looking forward to seeing nope all right so nope might be the one that finally brings you out the house or you're gonna wait till it goes on video on demand oh i don't know i would love to go in the theaters we'll see if we can make that happen Get yeah, a babysitter. I, <laughs> I think it's worth the experience if possible i mean seeing it with other people seeing how other people are are taking in all of the the dynamics are happening on screen i think it it beefs up the enjoyment just a little bit i feel like if i was watching at home by myself the whole time i would just be pausing it because i'm like okay Okay. what's going on here what you mean by that what that's supposed to represent and so seeing it with other people kind of made me feel uh a little more connected to the movie um what's that movie for you have you have you been to the to the cinema recently as kiki palmer would say it the most recent movie uh was uh matrix uh and <laughs> this was some time ago um i felt like it was a very overwhelming uh movie uh, i felt like there was a lot happening very fragmented it was kind of all over the place, like everything like crammed, like all of the Matrix movies like crammed into into one. So that was very overwhelming. Um, but, you know, fun as far I'm as like a, the yeah. action. Yeah, definitely fun. But yeah, Matrix Resurrections, it ain't do it for me. It, all the hype that went along with it. And like you said, it felt like they were trying to cram so much nostalgia from across three movies into into this one. You know, uh, I love Keanu, you know, shout out to him. I, I wish Lawrence uh, Fishburne was back. But, you know, uh, it, overall, I, I appreciated what they was trying to do. But, uh, yeah, Re- Resurrections ain't hit for me like that. Every Friday, we like to look back on some stories from across Chicago, but what makes us a little bit different is we ask our guests to bring those stories. We want to know what were the things on your heart and mind this week that you want to share with the CityCast listeners. Uh, Alma, I'm going to start with you. What was that story that you were paying attention to this week or even that you were working on? Yeah, so um, this week and uh, a lot of last week, I've been working on a story. It's going to be published today on Southside Weekly online and then published in print for um, our following issue next Thursday. But it's around how ICE uh, immigration officials are finding new ways to uh, go around sanctuary laws, uh, which are supposed to protect undocumented immigrants from being asked about their identification and later being, uh, you know, transferred to uh, detention uh, and then later uh, end up uh, deported. 
you know, I talked to advocates and immigrant rights organizations about how ICE is going around those laws and um, working with uh, data firms such as LexisNexis and Thomson Reuters, uh, writing contracts about, um, you know, how to access information about Im undocumented immigrants. Chicago and Cook County are uh, one of the, you know, first cities that really um, held a public hearing last week, uh, invited immigrant advocates and experts who did a bunch of FOIAs on this and really want to look at these current sanctuary laws in Illinois and Cook County to make sure those loopholes are closed and undocumented immigrants, um, you know, get the protections that they're promised. And when we're looking at sanctuary laws, right? Like you say, it's supposed to prohibit police employees from questioning people about their immigration status. But is there any legal recourse for individuals who, who are questioned, for individuals who are detained? Are they able to, you know, you know, kind of fight back against this violation of sanctuary laws or are sanctuary laws really, in, you know, hard to enforce? Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, advocates really want to look at these sanctuary laws once again um, and really, you know, make sure that those protections are there. It's really complicated because one, once uh, an undocumented immigrant is asked about their identification, um, you know, a police officer, um, you know, can can say, well, I'm going to, you know, make a call, you know, to ICE. Uh, and then once that person is already in detention, um, you know, they can reach out to an immigrant rights organization about it. But it's really complicated because they're inside. Immigrant rights organizations are really pushing to close those loopholes because there are ICE is finding other ways to go around um, those laws. Yeah. So is it safe to say that Chicago isn't as of now really a sanctuary city? Um, in, in the ways that it tries to claim. Yeah, that's a really good point. There are efforts, right, with like the mayor, um, really, you know, talking about protections for immigrants, but when it really comes down to it, um, obviously it, it, there aren't uh, enough protections. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Becky, I wanna come over to you. What's that story for you that you were watching this week that um, you wanna talk a little bit about? Yeah, so I'm going to go with the story that we published at Chalkbeat uh, earlier this week. It was a collaboration between one of our reporters here in Chicago, Mila, and some reporters in New York and in Boston. And it was looking at the number of schools that are have fewer than 300 students. So mm -hmm. these are schools that over the last five years have shrunk in size, have lost students during the pandemic, but in some cases were losing students prior to the pandemic. This is a story that I covered 10 years ago in this yeah. city in 2013 when we closed 50 schools, which was incredibly traumatic for our city and for people in those communities, most of whom most communities were majority black. Most of the schools were majority black. Still and feeling the consequences they're of still, that today. Exactly. They're still feeling the consequences of that. And a lot of the promises made at that time hasn't haven't necessarily come through and i would say that you know part of why i think this is such an important story is since that time in 2013 we've lost another 70,000 some students mm -hmm. and yet we have not as a city had a thoughtful conversation about what do we want our schools to look like and maybe it's good to have small 
environments for in particularly some of these communities that are dealing with a lot of stress and trauma, maybe it's better that those schools are smaller, but then how do we fund them? And how do we make sure that they get the resources that they need? And I think there inevitably will have to be a conversation about this when stimulus funds Mm -hmm. dry up, when the current moratorium on school closings expires. These are going to be Yeah, these are going to be conversations that are coming soon. And I think that I would hope that Chicago public schools would be proactive in this conversation instead of reactive. Yeah, I had a few questions coming out of it, because like you said, on its nose, smaller schools can be beneficial, but it doesn't feel like we're actually looking at these smaller schools with any reverence. It's like the as enrollment drops, they don't reappropriate the resources. They sort of strip funds. And so, uh, Becky, are we sitting on a bubble come 2025 where they're going to let these schools degrade to the point that when this moratorium is up, they they pull another Mm -hmm. 2013? I don't know. Um, I think there is a point at which you become too small um and that that there the the example i will always give is i wrote a story about five years ago about a high school on the west side that had 14 i think it was 14 freshmen if you have 14 freshmen walking through your doors how are you know high school you're supposed to have eight different classes and eight different teachers and if you only have 14 kids coming each with $15,000 attached to them, how do you put together a full robust day for those students? But I do think that we, we ought to think differently too about how we do fund schools per student right now, but do we have to continue doing that? Maybe we need to fund the, the, the positions and the buildings that we want to exist. Um, in an ideal setting, you know, and, and not think so much about yeah. how many students show up every every year. Maybe internally they're having conversations, but it just seems like it's not in the public consciousness quite yet. I mean, um, I want to bring you in on this conversation, you know, post pandemic so much with so much learning having been lost that people are still worried that resources aren't flowing in the direction that they need to flow. When you're covering your beat at Southside Weekly, how concerned are the people in those communities about the the state of their public schools? Yeah, um, very concerned, you know, um, even just like in speaking to like members of my community, um, and, and people, you know, living where um, their schools um, don't have uh, sh- sufficient resources and, you know, the playgrounds are falling apart or their ceiling is like, you know, cracking and, um, you know, leaking. Um, you know, they're just trying to find like those basic uh, resources and, you know, they go to the, the board meetings and, um, you know, they talk to uh, the board about these issues, but we don't really know when those things are going to get done. Like there are some parents who may know more and know about how to work with their schools and talk to their principals and teachers, you know, and work together on solutions. But then you have populations that, you know, are immigrant, right? Back to this, like they um, don't have the the time to take out of their day to go to speak to a principal or go to a board meeting or even speak English and and the language, right? They don't have that support around them. And so we, when you look at what schools are um, affected the most, it's those schools, you know, from, you know, the communities where people are less supported.
every single week, we want to make sure that we draw attention to those stories that might not have gotten the light throughout the week. Uh, so, Becky, what was that story for you that you want to shine some more light on? Yeah. So this is a story from Black Club Chicago and Injustice Watch that looked at traffic stops um, that ended in gun possession arrests and how Chicago Police Department is required to report these, but that they've gone underreported in the last, you know, I think it was five years worth of data that they had. Um, and, you know, it was just amazing to me to look at some of the charts in this story, uh, just not only about the number of traffic stops have really skyrocketed in the yeah. last several years. It's just a fascinating story. I would encourage all of the listeners listening right now to go yeah. to find that story and take a deep dive and set aside some time to read it. It's it's very deep, uh, deeply reported. It's a, uh, a nice investigation by these two local outlets that do some, such a big enough job of like covering yeah. the cities. You won't have to go too far to find it. We will drop it in the show notes. And, and as Becky said, these numbers are astronomical. Yeah. 85,000 in 2015 Chicago traffic stops. That was 600,000 four years later in 2019. These reports, especially when we're looking at data, I, I always say this on the show, it, it enrages me in a way because while I know we need the data to make policy choices, to let people understand that like these narratives, these stories we're sharing aren't just, you know, we're pulling them out of nowhere, but like, I mean, we've always known that cops will just stop black folks because they will. My brother is mm. has been stopped in more bullshit traffic stops than I can count on both of my hands. The number of times he has been forced to have his rights violated purely out of fear that if he doesn't comply, something worse will happen. And so what we essentially have here is a a sort of replace of stop and frisk. They the 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 man in the story they say we saw you we, you know, they're going to say, oh, we saw you buying heroin, so we right. stop you. And now you get out the car and we'll search you. Again, they don't report the traffic stop. There was never any report uh, of seeing him do drugs. It was, oh, since we found a gun, which, again, he had a FOI card for. Mm -hmm. He even had a concealed and carry card that lapsed during the pandemic. But it showed he had gone through the training for this card. Yeah. He had had it. He, you know, was simply in the it process legal. of, yeah. right, was legal in the process of renewing it. And but because of this traffic stop, everything that it justified from from the moment they stopped him to him sitting in jail for three days is allowed to happen. And and I think it's important to note, despite the case being dropped in his case, what it means to sit in jail for three days, what it means to have that on your record goes be far beyond. It impacts your job. It impacts your family. It impacts your ability to, to move forward. And, and, and so to see, again, black folks are stopped, what, five, you are five times more likely to be stopped, you know, stop and frisk, essentially. Yeah, it's like a it's like a new version of it that gets around mm -hmm. some other, you know, some weird reporting loophole. And it's yeah, it's astounding, but it's a great story. Shout out to Mr. Sabino from Block Club Chicago and all the work they do. Alma, um, well, what's that underhype story for you this week that you want to shine a little bit of light on? It's a story about uh, a young man, a teenager who... Um, you know, stopped by the police, uh, brought down by like five cops, punched in the face. This happened in Oklahoma, but it's really close to Chicago. I, I would like to see more about that story. I would like to see more about similar stories um, and just how like this continues to happen to, you know, a lot of uh, black and, and brown uh, young men in, in the city. Like the um, American Arab uh, Network uh, was out there. So many others, you know, make sure um, 
that he would be released from jail. You know, I was talking to you about this earlier. Um, just in general, I think um, an area that um, I feel like, you know, like Oakland, for example, is an area like not in the city of Chicago, right? But like in Cook County. And um, I think that one of the reasons why like that story wasn't really um, hyped up more, like talked more about um, was because, you know, it's a little outside Chicago. And um, I think that happens a lot with um, south suburbs and um, neighboring cities um, in Indiana, like Hammond, um, <clears throat> East Chicago and Gary, they um, often get ignored. And I feel like, um, yeah, there's just like walls of industry in those areas and it's yeah. cul-de-sacs and it's just like very segregated in a sense. I did see the story with the, the 17 year old and I mean, watching these grown men just like press this kid into the ground and just take blow after blow after blow like it's some mma fight that shit is so it's so fucking disgusting and the fact that it doesn't get the attention is because i mean the news media slurps up police narratives like it's this mango dragon fruit thing a majiggy i mean drinking over here like they there, there's no discernment of information there's no criticality in so much of the coverage and so the fact that they could immediately like victim blame and oh he had a gun and all these things your job is never to punch a person like that yeah and i was about to say like when the story was breaking, of course, like you saw the video and you saw like, you know, breaking news paragraphs. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think what I'm trying to say is, you know, like more follow up on that story. Yeah. And like you said, we'll continue to try and drive coverage to parts of the far south side, southeast side, you know, some of those bordering uh, cities and, and, and townships in, in Cook County uh, whenever we can. To bring this puppy home, like every single show, we want to make sure we bring some good news to get the people through the weekend. So that's a moment of joy in your life, a story that you saw this week, just something that that brightens us up just a little bit. Uh, Becky, what's that good news for the people this Friday? Uh, well, it's that today, starting today, the state sales tax is going to drop significantly mm -hmm. on school supplies, select cloth item, clothing items, shoes, things for your back to school shopping, which, you know, some people probably are putting that off a little bit. But, yep. you know, CPS starts in two weeks and I know some charter schools go back next week and it's coming, my friends. So here's a little good news that you will uh, save a little money. Um on school supplies because the state is starting this tax holiday instead of 6.25%, sales tax is going to drop to 1.25%. Um, now you'll still have to pay, you know, Chicago sales tax or whatever the local sales tax mm -hmm. by you is, but um, hopefully that will help a little bit because, you know, with the price of everything going up, it's a little, it's nice to have a little bit of relief wherever we can find it, right? facts i mean and like you said we'll drop a link uh, where you can see what the qualifying items are but it's everything from you know clothing school uniforms you know shorts and pants blouses neckties you can get footwear school supplies it only lasts until august 14th as becky said it is a tax holiday uh, also use this opportunity to stock up on school supplies even if you ain't got no little ones going back to school so you could donate them earlier this week in our newsletter sydney did a great job of of putting some of the places that 
that are taking school supply donations across the city, southwest, uh, north side, far south side as well. Um, so make sure you check out that newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. Um, I'm going to be participating in this holiday to give away uh, some school supplies to, to some young folks, not only my, my nieces, um, uh, but some other folks as well. Wait, wait, wait. What was what was y'all's favorite thing to buy during back to school when you were a kid? Oh, my God. I mean, I wore a uniform so uh, the entire time. And so for me, it was probably like color pencils, uh, like anything on like the art supply. When I was younger, I was a little bit more into drawing. Yeah. Uh, and so being able to go back with just like the range of color pencils and like, you know, that I can't remember what it was called, but that little trapper keeper that had or the, the, the little the trapper keeper. The, the, the trapper keeper or I was thinking the, the pencil box that had the little like oh. bubbles on the top. Yep. Oh my God. If you came back with a stock trapper keeper, we talking with multicolored notebooks, like yep. a bunch of paper where, hey, anybody got a pencil paper? And you, hey, I got you. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. I got you. Loose leaf, my G. You ain't got to come on. Because, you know, people sitting there trying to rip the edges off. No, no, uh, no. You off the notebook. No, no. I got clean, yeah. got clean loosely for you, my guy. And number one, pen, number two pencils. Mom to upgrade. You're like, please, can I get the upgraded notebook? <laughs> right. Uh, I'm going to be real. I, was, I never had them. I didn't. I never had them, but I dreamed. I yeah. dreamed. Um, Alma, what is your some good news for the people? Um, Salsa Weekly just came up with came out with um, their lit issue uh, last week. Yeah, Come on. their lit issue um, really. You know, it's it's a break from um, from from news, right? From hard news. It was put together by Chima Okoro, who's the uh, shout out to Chima. Yeah, editor um, for organizing. Um, conceived by her and you know us helping edit it and stuff like that um it was really fun lots of book reviews everything centered around the south side of chicago um poetry yeah this is a, a wonderful issue i'm lucky i got a, a south side weekly box not too far from me oh that piece you all did about the uh like the deliberate nature of Chicago architecture, how highways, trains, and things are designed. Um, I believe you and Chima worked on that together. Yeah, we did. Gee, that um, shit was so cold. I had the opportunity the, to tell her, but. Thank you, thank you. Um, the structures that divide us. Yes. Um, one of the reasons why I learned about um, like the bordering cities and like, you know, communities outside of Chicago that don't get a lot of coverage. And a lot of that just has to do with the physical borders, right, around mm -hmm. us. So I'm going to end us off with uh, with my some good news. And that uh, for me was I got to go to Theater Wit earlier this week to see Fences. Um, it's one of August Wilson's classic plays. It's about a family in Pittsburgh. And it's really centered around the father, Troy, who, who's really in many ways living this kind of de in a depressed state uh, about where his life is, where it's gone. Uh, and he really kind of takes it out on his family, his children, his wife, his his friends, in some really subtle but not so subtle ways. Um, and Kamal Bolden, who plays Troy in the play, uh, is one of my frat brothers and, and is a great friend of mine. And just the opportunity to see him perform. If you've never been to theater with, um, the stage is like level to you. And so the acting is happening like right in front of you and there are seats on both sides of it. So you almost get like this 360 view of the play. And you almost never get to see a live play that close where you're so tapped into the faces of the actors and their reactions, the responses and reactions to one another. 
Uh, and so it was just a really amazing night. The play was wonderful. It's still going, um, you know, with shows today and tomorrow. Uh, it might be hard to get tickets, uh, but I, I just wanted to give a shout out to all of the actors, the director of Fences at Theater Wit. Um, I try to get out to see a little bit of theater here and there in the city, uh, and, and I'm glad I went and saw Fences. It's one of those classics that you can never see too many times, and it's always beautiful to see somebody else's interpretation of them. I'm not sure if y'all are big theater fans, but uh, I love me some good Chicago plays. Again, I want to give a huge shout out to the immigration editor at Southside Weekly, Alma Campos, and the bureau chief from Chalkbeat Chicago, Becky Vivi. Alma, Becky, thank y'all so much for making time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Before I let you go, I got to thank the people behind CityCast Chicago. That's lead producer Carrie Shepard, our newsletter writer Sydney Madden, our rover producer joining us this week, Meg Dalton, uh, our producer Simone Alice is on vacation, but she'll be back soon. Of course, the people behind the music, that's Sam Thousand, all the kimonos, and Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop. Now, my last thank you, each and every episode, each and every week, is for you. Seriously, if you weren't listening or reading CityCast Chicago, uh, we, it wouldn't really be possible for us to keep doing this. Uh, so thank you. Share us with your friends, your family, the people you want to put up on Chicago. Uh, and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Peace. A second, I'm just closing some things in the background. So nothing is too loud. Wow. Yeah, actually, can I also get uh, a quick second? Yeah, take your time. Thank you. Doom, doom, doom.